cringe warning. This is my White Sox fan impersonation. Fire Tony LaRussa. Good morning, afternoon, evening. Welcome to the Royal Deluxe Podcast, a daily podcast about the Kansas City Royals. Sometimes. Uh, I was away for a little bit because I was busy with a different podcast. I know that sounds extremely convenient because the Royals did not play particularly well when I was gone, but, uh, no, I really, uh, did have to take care of some other things. But, fortunately... Things aren't so bad right now because the Royals may have played their best game last night. So here is your post-game recap for April 26th, 2022. The Kansas City Royals defeated the Chicago White Sox by a score of 6-0. to the Royals improve to a 6-9 and nine record on the season, while the White Sox fall to 6-10. and ten. The winning pitcher is Daniel Lynch, who now has a 2-1 and one record and a 3.38 ERA so far on the season, while the losing pitcher is Dallas Keuchel, who has a 1-2 and two record and a 9.0 ERA. So, not a bad game to come back to after getting swept in Seattle. I did have a lot of stuff to say about those Seattle games, and like I said, I just got busy, so I didn't do any podcasts. However, there are still some points that I do kind of want to talk about, to kind of touch upon, because it's not as if they only relate to the Seattle series. I would say the Seattle series was very, very enlightening in a way. Because number one, I think it shows the team that the Royals are not. Like what the Mariners are is what the Royals are not. Because look, we can be mad at that the Royals swept, got swept, right? And maybe you don't take the Mariners all that seriously because it's like, oh, what are the Mariners capable of doing? I've been saying the Mariners are winning the American League championship. And I don't know about you, but that looked like a World Series team to me. All right, that team was fantastic. They got deep into counts. They really challenged pitchers. And they they were very efficient with scoring runners in scoring position, which is which are all things that the Royals just cannot do. And so that was a that was a very enlightening series. Now, I'm not even saying that the Royals should have been on that level. I didn't expect the Royals to be as good as the Mariners this year, but you know, it, it really was the first time this season where I'm just like, "Wow, that's some really good baseball that someone played." And the team that played it is not the Royals. It's who the Royals played against. Now, I'm not completely unsatisfied because at least some of those games were close, winnable even, and it would have been very nice to have one win from the weekend, but it didn't happen. It didn't work out that way. And 
the other thing that's enlightening about that series is it kind of a uh, put into perspective what the Royals are as a team, which I already kind of talked about a while ago. I said that the Royals, by definition, are a team that has a pretty low-scoring lineup and a shaky rotation, but with an amazing bullpen and an amazing defense pretty much all around the field. But there's another thing. It's kind of like a philosophy that the Royals have. And it's also a frustrating one because it's not particularly consistent. And it's what boggles my mind in a weird way. I've been a very big defender of Mike Matheny because I think that there are things that Mike Matheny does pretty well. I've, I've been raving about how he conducted the team in 2020, which, you know, was never going to be a great season because what exactly did we have to work with? But I like how, how open to change he seemed to be, how he was always trying different things, always trying new things. And it's something that I kind of wished would come back. Um, with him, with, you know, the Royals in 2022 or even 2021. Now, I understand that as time goes on, you're going to find solutions. You're going to kind of find that some pieces fit into places. And once you find that, you, there's no reason to change it. Don't mess up with what's broken, right? But then there are times like, you know, after the first couple of weeks when we still weren't getting any lineup change. And so then it's like, what happened to that Mike Matheny? This is what is confusing to me. And so, so the philosophy that the Royals have on the field is that they are a very try-hard team. That's how I would describe them. And that's how I, how, how I would kind of describe Mike Matheny as a manager, again, with some of these lineup changes, kind of messing around with lots of things, tinkering with lots of things. The way he'll um, conduct the bullpen, you know, it's like he'll hook starters early and then go to his power relievers early because he wants the best matchups possible uh, as soon as possible, as opposed to just waiting for the eighth or ninth inning to send out whoever, which I think can be a very, very good thing. I, I think that can really be wonderful but that also goes into the way the team plays moment to moment the way they're so insistent on making these contact plays these suicide plays you know just these the super aggressive base running you know constantly taking chances on you know like defensive misplays or whatever it's like you know, in a way, the Royals have found success by doing that. And you can, you can find success by doing that. But then it's also, it's dug us into some real holes this season. And I think that the game back in, uh, back on Sunday in Seattle was lost because of something, uh, something like that. When we had Andrew Benintendi running home when he really didn't need to, where, you know, we could have had, what was it, like runners on first and third with no outs, maybe one out, and instead it was a runner on first only with one or two outs, you know, a much worse position. You know, maybe we could have, you know, if maybe Benintendi just holds up at third, we could have scored him, a, uh, we could have scored him later, 
and drove in another run, which, you know, would have won us the game instead of having to go 12 innings. Things like that. You know, it's like, it, it, the, and also the, the team swinging at the first pitch so often. It's like they're this, like I said, they're this very try-hard, aggressive team and not necessarily in a good way. And I think that Matheny kind of embodies that as a manager. But except for the times when he doesn't. And when he doesn't, it is super strange and it's super confusing. Like back on Saturday when he had Jake Brents come out onto the mound. And I, I swear, I, I, I want to walk you through this, okay? Because I work at night. So this game was going on. You know, I I get dressed. I'm going I'm going to leave, right? I leave. I, I, I uh, you know, turn off the game on my computer at some point, like right when Jake Bruns comes into the game, okay? Then that's when I, you know, I get dressed. I do my hair because I, I'm a beautiful lady. I have very luscious long hair. I got to do my hair every day. And then I go out to my car, you know, and then flip on 610. As time has passed between me turning off the game and turning it back on, something has happened. I, I, I come back to the game to probably the most dreaded sentence I have ever heard anyone say about a Royals game. And that is Jake. No, 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 no. It's not that Jake Brents has walked the bases loaded. And it's not even that Jake Brents has given up a run on another walk that he's walked four batters in a row. It's that Dylan Coleman begins to warm up in the Royals bullpen. He begins to warm up. Like, like I'm listening to this. I'm like, there are, how many outs are there? Like, this can be fixed, right? We have recorded outs, right? Denny Matthews makes no mention of how many outs there are. Because there are none. There are none outs. And Jake Brents has walked four batters in a row. And somehow, this is the moment where Matheny decides to warm up another reliever. This is the moment, not several batters ago. What? Like I said, how can this manager have this, you know, super try-hard mentality where it's like, how, what's the word for this? Like, he's constantly ma- trying to maintain things and keep things on a steady course. I mean, even go back to, like, the 17-3 and game. Like, he bowled Bubich after not even an inning. Like, he, like, he just didn't even, it's like he did that as if there was still something salvageable there. Like, yeah, we're down five to nothing, but it's only the first inning. We can come back from this, right? You know, like, Matheny will make these very quick decisions and have a very quick hook. He'll 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 try to get a grasp on these situations super quickly, like a tryhard. And the thing is, this lines up with something that I think Whit Merrifield said back in 2021 when the team skidded in May and June. I think it was Whit. It might have been someone else, but someone basically said that the reason why things had happened at that point is because Matheny would have this very 
I mean, he, he, the, the word tryhard wouldn't be used in this context, but I'm going to, you know, I'm putting it in my own words, basically. But basically, but, you know, Mathidi would have the team worked into a dead sprint. You know, he did that back in 2020, which I think adds up. I mean, you can say, well, the team in 2020 wasn't that good. Yeah, look what they had to work with. All right. But, you know, he, he goes into every single game with this win every game mentality, and he's going to do everything he can to win every game, even if it means pulling the starter an inning or two early and, you know, using up all of your best relievers uh, super quickly, using a reliever for just one out or two, as opposed to, you know, stretching them out so that we can, you know, have more arms for later. You know, things like that. And you're welcome to nitpick by saying, well, what about all those games where he used Greg Holland or Wade Davis or Irvin Santana when they were terrible? I don't know, dude. All right. I I, I don't know. I, I'm i just saying this is what someone else said, and I think it kind of makes sense because, you know, back in April, the team really did have this win every game mentality where they were scraping out super close victories you, you, these super low scoring games and, and coming back and coming in clutch super late, you know, that's why they were the best team in April. And I think that's also why they fell apart the way they did down the stretch because they just couldn't maintain that pace. Like the, 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 that, that try hard dead sprint pace worked in 2020 because it was a 60 game season. All right. You, you kind of had to sprint no matter what. But you can't do that for 162 games. So I think it, it, it makes sense that that would happen, right? So what I'm saying is that the Royals and Mike Matheny had this very try-hard mindset to things. But then you get the moments like the, like like Jake Brents on Saturday where it's like, okay, this is the moment where you should be doing something. And then he's not. And then things like, you know, putting out the same lineup every day for like two weeks. Things like that. It's like there are just some sometimes things that some things that just don't add up whatsoever. Like he's not even trying at all. I I don't get it. I really don't understand it, and it's very very frustrating in a way because it's like I see the good in Mike Matheny. I really do. I I, I really don't want to be a Matheny hater because I kind of do like what he brings to this team on, you know, I guess, typical days. I, I I appreciate the fact that he would be open to change and be, you know, trying all these different things, kind of having a try-hard mindset. I would take I would take a try-hard mindset over the kind of nonchalant, almost borderline, I guess maybe even you could say lazy mindset that Ned Yost would have, where it's just like every game, it's the same lineup. Uh, we bring out the same pitchers for the same innings every single get every single day because that's just what they do. Uh, the, these boys they won a world championship so they can do it again. We'll just do the same thing every day because it's worked before, so we'll do it again every single day. Uh, even if the team is like ten and thirty, yeah, we'll just do that every single time. And I don't want to you know erase Ned Yost's success because I have a lot of respect for that man. And as a player, as a person, as a manager, I think Ned Yost is wonderful. I think he's an amazing person, and I hope he's having a good one. But I think Matheny is a nice breath of fresh air from that. But then sometimes, sometimes some things he does are just like, why Why are you doing nothing? Why are you doing this? This makes no sense. I don't get it. And I wish I, I, wish I could get it. And speaking of Jake Brents, back then, um, there was this other thing that I kind of wanted to talk about. 
which would basically be described as, I guess, admitting to some faults and taking responsibility for them, I guess. I mean, I can't really take responsibility for anyone because I'm not playing the game. I'm not even connected with the team. I'm just a guy on the internet with a microphone. I, I'm sorry to say that I have no influence over the Royals. I don't think they listen to this podcast, unfortunately. I don't think a lot of people listen to this podcast and, and, are, and are able to, you know, communicate with the Royals front office and be like, hey, yo, yo, Royal Deluxe said this on his podcast. You got to do it. You got to do it. That guy knows what he's, what he's up. That guy knows what's up. Maybe hopefully when the Mariners are in the World Series, you know, I'll, I'll build a little bit of credibility there. And also when the White Sox lose a division, LOL. Anyway, there are some things that are going, you know, not so well that I think that the team should own up to. And this is something that, you know, you just don't see a lot of with the Royals. It's like, you know, like, like kind of going back to the Ned Yost era, back in 2016 and 2017, there was this, there was this devil may care attitude towards the team's struggles where, you know, it's like Hosmer would be in a slump or Moose would be in a slump or just whatever, you know, and, and when asked about what could change and what is being done about it, they would just be like, yeah, it's whatever. They'll figure it out. They won a World Series. They'll figure it out. They'll get it together. This is a World Series team. It's okay. You know, this team doesn't particularly like opening up when it's not playing well. And I feel like they do need to do that. I mean, not that admitting to something automatically makes you play better and i don't think that they need need to be reminded of it necessarily but i think that from an organizational standpoint i think that there does need to be some accountability and some action taken for when things aren't going well which is kind of what i was saying back with the you know, with Matheny putting out the same lineup every single day. Back, you know, a couple of weeks ago when I was talking about this, I was like, this lineup isn't working. This lineup is not scoring. Why are you using the same lineup every single day? Why is Bobby Wood Jr. hitting second or hitting third when he is swinging and missing at everything or grounding into double plays with the bases loaded every single time? And, you know, the solution to that is move him down the lineup. Great. They did that. Awesome. That's, that's kind of what I'm talking about. When I say that, the team kind of need the organization needs to take accountability for some things. I'm not saying that they need to come out onto the field and prostrate themselves in front of fans and say, we are so sorry about this. We are so sorry that we're not performing up to expectations, et cetera, et cetera, because nobody does that. All right. I know you might want them to, you might even expect them to for some reason. I don't know why you would expect them to do that, but like I said, no one does that, but moving with junior down the lineup when he clearly wasn't producing at the top of the lineup you know that was the right thing to do but i i don't think that this you know is limited to just newer players or something i feel like this should go to the veterans as well like like i like Matheny would would be accused of playing favorites with the veterans back when he was in st louis and to an extent i feel like he hasn't done that 
with the Royals, but maybe also kind of because, I don't know, how do you play favorites? It's not like he's had a ton of options with uh, with the Royals in the couple of years he's been here. But now, I guess I'll just cut to the chase of what I think should be done right now, okay? Whit Merrifield should be benched. Whit Merrifield needs to sit out of a baseball game. Even if it's for one day, okay? I, I don't know what exactly the issue with Whit Merrifield is. Maybe he really has gotten that old. Maybe he really is regressing this hard. Because I have been probably the biggest Whit Merrifield simp in Royals media, if you want to consider me part of Royals media or whatever. I've always been the biggest forgiver. I've been hand-waving his struggles early this season. as like, oh, Whit Merrifield's always slumping. Every year he gets into a slump, and then he'll hit 350, and we'll all forget about it. We'll all laugh as we celebrate two-hit Whit. We get some free Pepsi, even though they're not doing that promotion anymore because Pepsi sucks. And... But now, I'm... You know, and this is me taking accountability. This is me taking, I don't know, some sort of responsibility as well by saying Whit Merrifield is awful right now. Like, I am embarrassed for Whit Merrifield. And, and I do think that he'll get better. I don't think that this is, you know, like a new thing or this is like the, this is going to be the, the norm for Whit Merrifield going forward. But I will also say I have not seen Whit Merrifield ever play this poorly before i've never seen him fail at the plate this hard before like this is awful this is just like this isn't even awful this is like i said it's embarrassing frankly like it is actually embarrassing to see our leadoff hitter this bad i mean how many times has he struck out with the bases loaded? I think it's been three times in the last week. It feels like it's been at least twice. Okay. And what was it on Saturday or Sunday? He struck out four times. I have never seen Whit Merrifield strike out four times in a game before. Like, what is going on? It doesn't matter. It honestly doesn't matter what's going on. You know, I feel for him, and I and I and I and I feel bad for him because I really like Merrifield and I want him to be good. But at the end of the day, he is horrible at the plate. He is absolutely awful, and I think the way this team and this organization can kind of take responsibility for that is by saying, you know what, what Merrifield, you're sitting out for the day because you have been playing every single game. For how how long has it been? Like, when was the last time Whit Merrifield sat out of <laughs> any baseball game? He twenty eighteen when like he's played he played one sixty two in twenty nineteen sixty in twenty twenty one sixty two in twenty twenty one. This man has not had a day off in almost half a decade, and I'm not saying that's the reason why he's bad now. But he shouldn't be allowed to continue this sort of streak with the way he's playing. Because what does it mean if you're playing a bunch of games in a row 
when you're not good. This is this kind of going back to the Ned Yost era. This is what they did with Esky. This is what happened with Elcidas Escobar. He really wore out his welcome with how much he was playing. It's like every single day Esky's playing and pretty much every day he's batting leadoff as well. And the only excuse for that was, well, Esky, he just can play every day. Yeah, I understand he could play every day. That doesn't mean he should. I understand Whit Merrifield can play every day. But, but right now, he absolutely should not. And I think it would really send a message to, I don't know, whoever. To, to It would send a message to players, and it would send a message to fans saying that, yeah, we're, we're not going to stand for this. this. This level of failure, honestly. If you can't play well, then you're not going to be allowed to play. You know, I... That's just how it should be. They really should bench Whit Merrifield. After the weekend he had, like, no. I, I, I would do that. If it were up to, if it were up to me. If I had any decision in that whatsoever. And then it continued in last night's game against the White Sox. Even though I, it was a great game overall. It was a great game on offense. Probably the best game of the season on offense. No. Just no. He struck out twice. Again, he struck out. He, he struck out twice. How many strikeouts did the Royals have on offense? Three. The White Sox could not strike out any Royals, and they struck out Whit Merrifield twice. I mean, what do you, what do you even do about that? Like again, how you you can't stand for that. I won't stand for that personally. I love Whit Merrifield. I absolutely adore Whit Merrifield. But right now, Whit Merrifield is bad. And I mean bad. And they should do something about it. They should have him sit out a game or two. Or or even, I don't know. I don't know how long it would take for him to get back to normal. I mean, maybe we're never going to have Whit Merrifield hit 280 ever again. But, I mean, if he can hit 250, that would at least do something. Just just hit at all at this point, really. But he can't hit at all right now. He is... He's, he went from Whit Merrifield to Whiff Merrifield. Because he's not hitting anything right now. And the other sort of move of accountability that I would like to see is demote Jake Brents. And this is going to be me taking accountability and responsibility for it as well. Because I've, once just like Whit Merrifield, I feel like I have been the biggest Jake Brents defender in all the nation. I've been saying, man, Jake Brents, he's great. He's awesome. I love seeing him. He was terrific last year. And, you know, he hasn't had the best start this year. But hey, it's a bad start. It's just a bad start. It happens. It's okay. He'll get over it. But even then, you know, and do I think that Jake Brents is washed? Do I think that he's, you know, not major league caliber anymore? Well, I don't, I don't know. I'm not the best judge of that. But I will say that walking four batters in a row is unacceptable. It is. It just is. And while you have the power to, you know, while you still have option years on this guy, you should send him to Omaha. You should just send him down and just be like, you know what? I mean, you know, if it was one game, 
Okay. If it was one game, you could at least be like, okay, well, like, like, like if Scott Barlow walked four batters in a row, like that would be weird, but it's like, okay, you know, Scott Barlow, he's nails. All right. He, he can afford to have a bad game every now and then. Jake Brents, I think has had more bad games than good games this season. He's just been absolutely atrocious this season. He has had a couple of good outings, which I've really celebrated. And then, you know, in the past, his bad outings, I'm just, I just kind of hand waved, just like, eh, you know, whatever. Jake Brents is just, he's off, off to a bad start, whatever. But then it's like everything that's happened this year so far with him. And then Saturday's outing. Just no. No, no, no. Send him to Omaha. You should do that right now. I don't know why they didn't do that yesterday. I don't know why he's on the roster right now. But he should be in Omaha because that's unacceptable. It is unacceptable. I, you know, uh, you know, I, again, I love the guy. I love Jake Brintz, but I think it's time that we, you know, spend some time apart to work things out. And maybe at the end of the, at the end of this, we'll both be better. We'll learn and grow from this. I'm, I'm not trying to be all doom and gloom about it, but when when you're bad, you're bad. It's kind of how it is. And I worry that I worry that management just won't have the balls to do some of these things. You know, I, I worry that they won't have the balls to sit Whit Merrifield, even though he absolutely deserves to be benched. With the way he's playing. I'm afraid that... I mean... I actually kind of think it is likely that they'll send down Jake Brents. Because at the end of April, we're going to have to send down a couple of pitchers. Because rosters are going to go down to 26. And there's going to be a maximum of either 13 or 14 pitchers. Probably 13. I think that makes sense. 13 hitters, 13 pitchers. So, I mean, if he... if it, I mean, if we have to send down a couple of guys, yeah, it should be him. But I also, you know, it's like the fact that Carlos Hernandez was the starter for Sunday's game. You know, that that's kind of why I sort of think maybe they don't have the balls to do something like that. Because Carlos Hernandez has not pitched well. And then, you know, you brought up Ronald Bolaños. And I was, you know, I had like an entire podcast saying, oh, yeah, I think Ronald Bolaños is going to be a starter in this rotation because Carlos Hernandez isn't getting it done. And... Carlos's last start was like, I don't know. It wasn't. It wasn't terrible. It was better than his other two starts, but I don't know, dude. Or Chris Bubich. Chris Bubich has been terrible this season. Maybe send down Chris Bubich. I don't know, dude. They 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 should definitely do something with uh some of these pitchers because. The way they're playing is, it's not acceptable. It's not good. And we do have options. Because like I said, Ronald Bolaño's been, he was good in AAA. He only, he's only pitched an inning or two in major leagues this year, but he was actually pretty good this year. Then you've also got guys who are dealing at the minor league level. Jonathan Heasley is kind of turning heads right now. Give him a shot. Why not? Go do it. 17.2 17.2 innings, 2.55 ERA in Omaha. He's ready. You know, I feel like 
this roster should be you know try hard managed with the pitchers because we have so many of them there like there's just so much competition in this organization to make the rotation i really feel like they should be i mean you know like i said don't you know you can't just like judge someone after one or even two outings or whatever so it's not like, you know, if someone has a bad outing, just immediately send them down and then call up another guy. But I do feel like, you know, we shouldn't be, you know, stuck in this uh, rhythm of having Hernandez and Bubich in the rotation and maybe try some other guys. Because I think there are lots of guys in this organization that would absolutely love to uh, to get a shot the majors I feel like they should do that they should go back to the have they that's something they should be a try hard about with this pitch with this pitching staff especially because it's not the best there are lots of really good things about it the bullpen is still pretty excellent except for saturday when it was just not but you know it's gonna happen they're gonna have a bad day but that's kind of uh, what I wanted to talk about with the Seattle series. Kind of talking about responsibility and accountability, things like that. The Royals need a little more of that, I think. They should be making a few more changes. Hopefully they will. But, I mean, like, like I said, back to Whit Merrifield. They moved him back to the leadoff spot. They moved him back. What? Why? Like, I get that Nicky Lopez, you know, we moved Nicky Lopez to lead off, and for some reason that actually wasn't working out so well. Okay. Well, it's not like Whitten Merrifield's doing any better. The heck? I don't know, dude. I don't, I don't know. It's just strange. It's very very strange, very unusual. Um, Maybe have Bobby Witt Jr. bat lead off, because at, at this point, Bobby's actually hitting well. Which is a really, really great sign because we definitely need some things to go our way a little bit better so that has started to happen hopefully it will continue to happen in this white Sox series i know i've talked a lot about you know the stuff that happened over the weekend but you know like i said i've been away for a few days so i feel like i should air that out so this is going to be a bit of a longer episode apologies for that i'm also going to miss uh probably this weekend as well because i'm actually going to two of the yankee games going to the one on Friday and then the one on Sunday. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to go to the Friday game where the Royals debut their cool new City Connect uniforms, um, which I don't think really needs much discussion, but I like them. They're all right. Like, I, I feel like they are very okay. I'm not crazy about them, but they're, they are fine. But in, in any case, um, the Royals are going to continue playing the White Sox for the next two games. For the next two days, today's game has actually been moved up to 1.10 p.m. Because I guess there's, it's going to rain later on, so fine. So we got two day games in a row. Okay, you know what? I prefer day games, so thank you. Um, we got Zach Greinke on the mound for the Royals versus Dylan Seas. And you know what? I was, you know, I didn't, I didn't do a podcast like yesterday before the series started. So I know it's going to seem like I'm, you, you know, it's, it's going to make me seem a little... Hindsight is going to make me seem a little smarter or whatever because I I went into this White Sox series thinking you know what things could, things are probably going to go better for us because 
this White Sox team, I this this team is on a struggle bus. And I don't want to like make any bold statements by saying they're like going to miss the playoffs or whatever. I do think they'll get get they'll get better. But at the same time, the way they are struggling is like, dude, like what is going on with them? Uh, one of the things is that they are the worst defensive team in the majors. Maybe, arguably, they've given up more errors than games played. They have more errors than games played. I think they're already at 20 errors this season, which is nuts. And that's kind of what I was looking at when I was and thinking, yeah, I think we're going to do well against the White Sox because the Royals just love putting the ball in play. They absolutely love their BABIP. And, you know, going against a, a defense that is messing up so much and so often, yeah, I think we can take advantage of that pretty well. And we kind of did in yesterday's game. And also another reason why I'm excited for this Sox series is because we're not going to find, we're not going to face Lucas Giolito. Uh, Lucas Giolito is a tried and true Royals killer. He is someone that I actually dread having to face in this division. Fortunately, he is not going to pitch over the next two games. Although tomorrow we will see Michael Kopech, who was off to a phenomenal start with three starts and a 0.64 ERA, a sub one ERA after three starts. So that should be interesting, but that's not today's game. Today's game is going to be against Dylan Cease, who is a fairly young pitcher who's really uh, stepped up to be a, 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 a staple in this rotation for the Sox. He, uh, he pitched a f- two full seasons going back to 2020. Last year, he pitched 165 innings to a 3.91 ERA, and this season he's off to a similarly quality start. He's actually... Ha- so he has... ERA after 16 innings. He has the same ERA plus uh, of 110. That's what he had last year, and 2020 was 111. So this is a very, very consistent pitcher that the White Sox have uh, developed, which is pretty cool, pretty interesting. So this might actually be a kind of quality pitching matchup between Granke and Cease. So that's going to be interesting. But hopefully, hopefully this game... Last night's game was enlightening for the Royals because I've been talking about how they have this super try-hard mindset. They're super swing-heavy, but then they went up against a pitcher, or rather several pitchers, who absolutely could not locate. And guess what happens? They walk 11 times. We got 11 walks. That That's so unusual for the Royals. And I and I don't really recall any big major mistakes that they made on offense. There were no stupid base running plays or anything like that. So it's like maybe hopefully there's there's some wisdom instilled in these guys that hey, if you're just a little more patient, good things will happen. You don't have to swing at everything. You don't have to try hard every play so much. You know? Hopefully, this will uh, turn a bit of a corner. I think this was a really, really nice game on offense. And also, shout out to Daniel Lynch. Daniel Lynch was so good yesterday. Daniel Lynch, is it is it is it safe to say that he's good now? That he's just ready now? That 
we have a good starting pitcher in this rotation, that we have three quality starting pitchers in this rotation. Granke, Keller, Lynch. I think it is. Because Lynch has been... I've I've enjoyed all three of his starts so far. The one in St. Louis was shaky, but workable. It was understandable. And then he's had two scoreless outings since then. Going six innings in particular this time, I think, was really the thing that like gave me more confidence. The fact that he was able to actually throw about 100 pitches, get six full innings of work. It's like, yeah, I think this guy's actually going to stay. I think this one can stick. I think the Royals might have finally developed a... A, a decent starting pitcher. One can only hope. It's early. It is super, super early. But, oh man, would it be nice to see that for a change. So, we've got that. And also, shout out to Bobby Wood Jr. Bobby Wood Jr. had a two-hit game. He's the real two-hit wit right now. He's on a five-game hitting streak. He has a batting average over the Mendoza line. It, it might be happening, guys. Guys, it might be happening. Bobby Wood Jr. might have finally arrived. He might be finally putting it together. We might be seeing it. It might be happening. Maybe too early to tell, okay? I understand that. But, man, would would that be great? Wouldn't that be great to see Bobby hitting well? Yeah. Really, really hope that is a... This is a, a sign that he is improving, that he's getting it together, and that major league experience is paying off. That's not something you would get in Omaha. I don't know what I'm saying at this point. Maybe I should end the podcast, especially since my nose is running. <laughs> it's allergy season. Ah, it's so cold everywhere. Ah, so hopefully, hopefully the offense will uh, continue capitalizing on a very, very struggling White Sox team. Man, I told you the White Sox weren't that good. I've been saying it this entire time. The White Sox are... Nah, look, I'm not... It's it's unfair to say... They're not going, that, uh, it's unfair to make any broad statements aside from me saying the Mariners are going to the World Series, but... Let's let's just say I never had a lot of confidence, and I didn't take them all that seriously. And maybe that's why they're struggling because they didn't take anyone else all that seriously. They were all talk like, "Oh man, we got the best roster. We get the best guys. We're totally dominating the American League. We're the best team in the American League." Those show, yeah. Tell them TA seven. Tell them as you botch another double play. Oh no. TA7, more like TA7 errors so far. Oh, gosh. You know, I like TA7, though. I don't want to be mean to TA7. I actually like him as a player and as a personality. But if you're cocky, at least play well, like Juan Soto. That's why I like Juan Soto so much. I think Juan Soto's the best player in baseball. And he acts like it, too. And I appreciate that. And I hope Tim Anderson has a good one. I hope he gets better. Uh, preferably not against the Royals, though, uh, because that would be funny to me, and I would enjoy it. <laughs> well, whatever happens, we'll talk about it tomorrow on the Royal Deluxe Podcast. That's going to do it for today's episode. A fairly long episode, maybe a long-winded episode. I apologize for that, and I apologize for disappearing for a few days. Very, 
conveniently as the Royals didn't play the best baseball, but I'm back now. Hopefully things will get better from here on out. And uh, that's about it. So uh, I would love to hear from you at Royal Deluxe Pod on Twitter or email me at Royal Deluxe Podcast at gmail.com and shout out to r slash Casey Royals, the subreddit that I moderate about the Royals. This has been the Royal Deluxe Podcast. Thank you very much for making it a part of your day. And I hope you're having a good one. I'm Lux. Go Royals.